episode 60 of Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a podcast about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. And for any new listeners joining us on episode 60, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Holy cow, I almost blew my eardrums out at that intro. It was a good intro, though. I like it. All right. So, Sean, how are you today? I am well, Brad. Thanks for asking. How are you, Mr. Not too, tree not Stand too Hanger? Yeah, I was out in the woods this morning and uh, with my little, with my youngest son hanging a tree stand on a different section of the property. And uh, judging by the scars on my forearms, apparently trees still bite. So, oh well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piss off the ants. That's what you get. They nibble. Ah. <sighs> Dude, game hole. It's like almost on top of us. Game hole, baby. I worked all day yesterday, not all day, most of the day yesterday on coming up with uh, pre-gens, which I have done. I have to print them. Table tents, I have those done. I have a map of the area I think I have to print. I don't know how it's going to print on a... I, I did a screenshot, and I don't know how it's going to print on a... I don't know if... So in, in Windows, I think you can take a picture... And then it'll print, and if you set it as default, it'll print it in eight and a half by eleven chunks, and then you can. You take can. Them. You should be able to do that. You should be able to print a page yeah. size. I, I I don't know how it's going to turn out. We'll see. Oh well. Yeah. The nice thing is, I don't have that problem, so that makes me feel good. Well, and I still haven't prepped for my Star Wars game, which means I have to come up with probably six PCs, and I haven't run. I've only run through character gen once. And uh, uh, I, I may end up contacting those guys and just saying, hey, I if you guys want to play Make that's some cool. characters. Well, the problem is none of them have the Fantasy Flight. I doubt many of them have Fantasy Flight Games version of Star Wars. I could tell them, hmm. like, hey, do Saga Edition and come prepared to play. That's your call, dude. I'm gonna have to. I grabbed um my out. one John Wick, uh, Call of Cthulhu adventure, which I like to run. I grabbed that. Hopefully, I can get that run offline somewhere. I think I think I've got a Warhammer First Edition little something I can bring with me, and maybe a couple other things. To see what I can do ad hoc. I get, I did pack up all the gear that I have, minus what we're recording on right now. So after this show, I'll pack up digital recorder and iPad and all this other stuff. And I mean, I was dinking around this past weekend with Periscope, which will be pretty cool. So we're, we're going to do for everybody that's listening and we'll hear this before the actual con, I'm going to set up a condenser mic for those of you that are like, I don't know what a condenser mic is. They, they, you know, who cares? Right. But I'm going to set up a mic that's kind of sensitive on our table and then an iPad and run Periscope when we're at the table. And then if we move from the table, uh, we may run. So if you're on Periscope, follow gaming. Well, basically it's, it's live, it's live TV, right? It's streaming it's live. Idea. Yeah. You can't interact like we can here on Blab, but you can, you can, there's a chat and you can kind of throw it in there. Um, yeah. Wag. Uh, but it will, it'll be fun. I, we've got some, 
It'll be it'll be interesting. Tech. I'm looking forward to it, man. I got the whole I got this whole week off. I'm hunting and gaming this whole week, so this is about as good as it gets for me. And the weather was might actually be decent enough. I might get the motorcycle out for a last ride too. Who knows? I could hit like all the hobbies in one week. Could be a good time. Crazy. Let's get underway. Let's do the thing. Yeah. What's uh? So announcements or what? We yeah, have. just uh, one quick announcement. Uh, Joe Swick, one of the listeners of the show, and thank you, Joe, for helping uh, helping Sean and I. <laughs> I had a little technical difficulty on my end. It wasn't Sean this time, my problem. But I just want to say, Joe, we're glad everything's cool. Joe has a new father, and uh, he went out to uh, do the real cool uh, husband, new daddy thing, go get dinner for the family, ran out, got about a mile from home, and boom, he got smacked in an intersection. But the Swickster is fine, all is well. His car is totaled. But he's still up and walking and uh, looking as handsome and sexy as ever. So, Joe, glad you're okay, man. I think that's about all we got there. All right, let's go to Random Encounter. Do it. Random Encounter, part of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our blog. We've got a few. And they're... Interesting, as always. Well, I'll let you lead off. This one looks long, so first, you get this one. First one from Michael Phillips. He writes on our blog regarding episode 58, Wimp or Hero. So in episode 58, we talked about whether you like starting out as a pincushion, not a pincushion, but a fragile adventurer, or if you like to start out buff and big and mean and can take a hit. He continues, one reason I like to avoid dirt sucker to hero games is that they are dull boring. They were great when I was a teenager, but I have told that story 20 or 30 times in the last three decades of role playing. Progression and growth are great, but I don't want to be a hapless teenager most of the time. I've spent 20 years becoming a competent adult, and it is much more fun playing other people who have spent time becoming competent adults, albeit in different focuses than I have, because they are more relatable. That said, I do want progression, much like I am not, today, done growing and learning just because I have grown and learned in the past. This applies to fantasy heroic action, but it also applies to other non-action games. If I'm a a con man and not playing Fiasco, the cool stuff is pulling off a slick con, not flying around and doing kung fu. That's a good point. Another reason to start with established characters is that the stakes can be bigger and more meaningful. Nate Ford, 10 years earlier, chased crooks for a paycheck. So I think Nate Ford is one of the guys in Leverage, if you haven't watched the TV show Leverage. I have not, but I think that name does ring a bell. I've heard it before. Carry on. He was uh, 10 years earlier chasing crooks for a paycheck. It was a day job and yawn. Nate Ford today is running crooks lives because he has 10 years of experience that has shaped his life and pushed him from investigator to vigilante. Playing the 10 years of losing his son to cancer and becoming a washed out drunk? Boring, even though it is important to how he is a badass today. And five years of being an active badass vigilante gave him a level climb where he got to be much better at cons and way creepier. So, spoilers, leverage. Nate Ford, that's his backstory. 
Um, yep. he, he was an actual, I think he worked for an insurance company actually. Uh, and then he, his son got cancer, changed him, became kind of a drinker. And then he acts as vigilante in the manner of having a crew pull cons on people that swindle other people. Um, that's kind of his way of making up for his badness in the past for, he felt he wasn't doing moral, morally right, I think, in his job. Anyways, continuing. The other thing to do is something like Spirit of the Centuries character creation, where part of creating your badass character is doing brief vignettes showing how you got there in the first session. So if you're not familiar with Spirit of the Century, it is published by Evil Hat Productions and is a precursor to today's modern day fate. You know, back in uh, my vampire days, White Wolf um, used to have, when you were a vampire, they often encouraged you, well, I shouldn't say often, they did encourage you in the system to have a either a small role-playing session or to quickly go through it and go through your embrace when you went from mortal to, to a vampire and whatever variation of it. So it was kind of a cool way to wrap up or quickly as a group go through. So, Sean, um, it's not like, oh, we're bitten by a gangrel and now oh, you're a ninth generation gangrel. No, give, give me some more background on that. It was something you would narrate through with the game master storyteller at the table or even outside the table, but help um, build that background for you. So. I get where this is coming, where he's coming from, right? I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've, um, if the uh, level climb or the grind from zero to hero is worn out, it's welcome for you. I totally get it. And that's why some of these other games from a mechanics perspective, I think are great. I mean, they let you start out as a badass and uh, you don't have to do the thing where you feel like you quote unquote, maybe cheated and started off as a 10th level pathfinder, 10th level D and D character. Um, because that game doesn't have a mechanic to help support that type of play. So I totally get where he's coming from. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff, man. Yeah. And spirit of the century mechanic he's talking about is you share the build, the character creation process amongst the table and the players and it's written, it's pulp based. And if I recall correctly, you, you are a character in another player's book and they explain how like badass you are. So it's kind of, and it incorporates that and you do the same for other players and it builds the relationship between the players. It's a cool thing. Like, again, we've talked about dungeon world with the bonds and stuff. And the more I talk about it and the more I've, I've looked at that system, it's cool to have those type of connections. You can build them at the table uh, together when you make any characters or after your characters first meet it's cool stuff yeah so thanks for writing in michael uh for a couple times now absolutely next <clears throat> i've got aaron sug he writes about leveling up one of the things we talked about um this was probably an answer to jeff rademacher's question about hey um uh, what, what's the pros and cons of leveling? That's kind of where I got into the whole the quote-unquote cheating if you start off a higher level and aaron says about ad&d not having a cr uh, challenge rating. Uh, you're right, but second edition does advise DMs not to throw out enemies, uh, groups, or individuals that have more than five hit dice above the party's total hit dice. Aaron, you're absolutely right. I completely forgot about that when it, when it did come to second edition. It was one of the one of the little bits of uh, advice that they gave to dungeon master there to try to <clears throat> give you an idea of it's kind of a precursor, if you will, to the CR concept of uh, hey, you know, this plus this eh, is probably a good balance. But again, to Sean and my point uh, from back in the day, 
first edition and Osric and some of those things, there's no, there's no safety net or well balance structure to an encounter na- native to the mechanics of the game. Now, granted, again, second edition does have the, as you said, gives you the advice to not throw out uh, big things that are more than five hit dice above the parties, but that's not, uh, I don't really think that was a well-known or, uh, or enforced, if you will, at the table piece of second edition. Maybe it's just in the games I had played over the years, but Sean, you didn't really play much second edition, did you? I did not play a ton of it. We did, but I think we started getting into the not playing as often when second edition came out. Okay, cool. Europe. Good rules uh, clarification there, Aaron. If nothing else, it's always really cool for me when you look back, you say, oh, this sounds like a really cool new thing. Somebody somewhere will go, oh, wait a minute. They did that in RuneQuest first ed, or they did that in second edition AD&D. There's lots of cool, th- everything builds on itself within this hobby. So it is neat to go back and pull those components out. So thank you, Mr. Aaron Stug. Yeah. Back to you, sure. Back to you, Sean. Matt Martinez. About leveling. So it's the leveling. We're knocking out the leveling stuff that we were talking about. So one other thought on leveling. How do you feel about a game like Shadow of the Demon Lord? Brett, how do you feel about a game like Shadow of the Demon Lord? I don't know enough about it to have any um, discerning feelings or opinions, but uh, read on, sir. We shall see. Similar to Dungeon Crawl Classics, you start out as a level zero PC. Professions include farmer, fisher, pickpocket, soldier, scholar, and not a ready-made hero. If your PC survives past the starting adventure, he or she advances to level 1 and gets to pick a novice path, magician, priest, rogue, or warrior, and then continues to gain one level after completing each game session. Robert Schwab, who is an active individual on the Blueses, and I think I'm a Facebook friend of his too, designed the game to be played by groups like his own, which he said consists of middle-aged people with families and full-time jobs. Okay. Well, it sounds, sounds like guys like us. No, that's crazy. No. This Carry way, on, sir. This way, even though they may not be able to get together as frequently as they used to, they still have the experience of leveling and playing through an entire campaign, which should last about... 13 sessions. Very nice. To tie things into the subject of this episode, Shadow of the Demon Lord has a dark, horrific edge to it. One of my favorite monsters in the bestiary is the ghastly chorus described as such. Quote, Ghastly chorus is made from stripping the faces of a dozen or more victims from their skulls and fusing them into a sheet of stretched skin. It moves by fluttering and lurching over the ground eyes flicking back and forth, its many mouths yawning wide as they whisper dire secrets of the afterlife. Sounds like a bedsheet version of the gibbering mouther, practically. That's vile. I love it. The The illustration that goes along with it is about as disgusting and disturbing as you think it is. Sweet. I like it. You know, this. we talked about leveling up, I think, periodically on other episodes. And one of the things that I had said I had done, and maybe I haven't mentioned this on the show. <clears throat> maybe I just talked about other places, but anyhow point is, is that one of the things I have done in the past is instead of doing the experience point, like tracking XP or oh, you killed five monsters or oh, you're five away from whatever it is. 
I have done the, if it narratively makes sense, ding, you go up a level, ding, you go up another level. It sounds like um, Shadow of the Demon Lord does that natively in the system saying, hey, after this, you should progress at bam, 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 at a much faster level. And I know that in um, Pathfinder and other D&D versions, there is the kind of slow, medium, fast pace that you can go at as well. But um, knowing that a campaign is going to last about 13 sessions and that the progression is going to be pretty quick um, up through the levels, it seems like that might be a good uh, middle of the road, if you will, to uh, I really like the level grind, but I don't want it to take me you know, three years of real time to get to fifth level by counting all my XP and gold pieces. Seems like it might be a cool way to go. I will have to check out that game. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation, Matt. And writing in uh, like you have. Merch appreciated. All right, man. All right, so Mike Walsh, shall I do this one? I had a short one before. I'll take this one. This one's pretty long. I know. I'll see what I can do. You better take a breath. <clears throat> take a breath. All right. Mike, Mike Walsh time. writes in via email. He does via Let's email. See. Hello again, gentlemen. So I believe since you guys get questions about fate and have a lot of fans who of fate who listen to your show that you should dedicate an episode to going over fate to at least understand the systems you can answer said questions. That's a damn good point, Mike Walsh, and I'm hoping that this game hole con, I can uh, get my hands on an impromptu fate game or I can weasel my way into something where I can get someone to run fate for me. <laughs> if I need to have, if I need it, I have no problem sending you guys free PDFs to Fate Core and Accelerated. We can go get them uh, the free SRD from fate-srd.com, fate-srd.com. I understand my last email was very vague, so I will elaborate on a specific example that arose uh, the previous question of immersion. I was explaining to the player basics of the fate economy system, the way you can earn and spend fate points. One of the basic ways is using a player's or NPC's aspects by invoking or compelling them to spend and earn points. <clears throat> the example used was, quote, you have an aspect calling aspiring master of Umdar. You walk into a tavern and among the patrons inside, you overhear a group talking about how the former ruler of the province was overthrown and now the throne is currently empty. Upon hearing this, as the GM, I would ask the player, I'm going I would ask the player, I'm going to compel your aspect of aspiring master of Umdar to offer you a fate point to interject yourself into that conversation where you can spend a point to overcome the urge. The premise is the is the player created the aspect and in turn created a plot point in the story. Uh, I, as the GM, can use at the start of the story as a side quest or the chapter in the campaign, an obstacle the player tries to overcome throughout the story, etc. The reason I asked the initial question is the player I explained this to said he felt I, as the game master, broke character to use the mechanic in the game, walked from a fate point, and by doing this, ruined his immersion in the game. He felt turned off to the system because of this, but I don't see the issue, hence asking your opinions on the subject. <clears throat> so I hope that means that we helped. My opinion on this very RPG you play is moments the GM must use the mechanics of the system and regardless of immersion, unless you're just telling story and acting out of scene, mechanics will come out no matter what, such as roll for initiative, perception checks, etc. That's exactly what Sean and I were getting to. I was satisfied with your initial responses. However, when the comment came up from your last episode where the source material came from, the Facebook page, I felt I needed to clarify the question because the post mentioned the post mentioned was not correct with the example given by the player. I feel fate is not a complicated system, but the way people read this rule sometimes can be interpreted oddly, to say the least. Encourage a fate episode, please. <laughs> Thank you for your time on the subject, gentlemen. I love the show, and play some fate. You won't be sorry that you did. Sincerely, Michael Walsh. Michael, thank you so very much, man. That was really cool. Yeah. Good explanation. And uh, I'm glad that even though we are 
fate virgins or novices in that arena. I uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, it seems like you you felt our our opinion of the you know you're going to have some kind of mechanical discussion regardless um, helped. And I think that the uh, I think we talked about that piece enough. But I think Michael has a damn good point that um, Sean and Brett need to dedicate some time and play some goddamn fate. That's what we got to do. Geez, game hole would be a great place to play if if we had some sort of a convention that happened in madison within the next say four to five days you know what let's look around see if we can find such a thing and we'll go and if we had a great listener that was well versed in the rules of fate that was attending the same con as us and wanted you know what that's that's a good point if anyone listening to the show is going to be a game hole and you like fate you want to run fate sean and i we will carve out time i will sit down i would love to play fate with you and I and Brett will carve out more time because Brett will have more time than Sean. Absolutely. What, what I, caring much more about our listeners than Sean, have kept myself available to our to our fans so that I can talk with you. Sean, on the other hand, could give a shit and has wandered off to do whatever he does. Just sad. Anyway, Sean. <laughs> Sean's going to be covering content for all the listeners out there as Brett talks to our listeners that I know are on site. All right, sir. Last one's yours. Shane Freeman, G+, regarding fear and horror in RPGs. Shane writes, Sean, go get the new Chill 3E that has come, has just come out. The 1E and 2E versions are tailor-made for making people crap themselves at the table. I like it. I like it already. As a father who's had small infants, I'm fine with, I'm fine <laughs> with crap on a table. I can handle this. Let's do it. We played, chill, we played Chill 2E years ago, and after one frightening adventure, my roommates refused to go to sleep or look out the window for the rest of the night. That's awesome. Sweet. One of my personal satisfaction pieces, apart from having an environment that was so emotional that someone actually cried in a couple of my games, I had a player come up to me a couple of days later on campus. We were in college, and Todd walked up and said, you're a fucker. I said, what? He said, do you know what I did after the last game? I said, what? He said, I went home, grabbed a bottle of wine, and I sat in the dark in my kitchen and drank. I said, why did you do that? He said, I got home. I was all just emotionally spent after this incredible session. It was so cool. I sat down. I poured myself a glass. I drank that. It's just thinking, you bastard. You bastard. And I just kept drinking and drinking. I'm like, holy crap. So... I love those kind of stories. That's good stuff. Brett, driving people to alcoholism since 1989. <laughs> All right. That's what, one of the services I offer. Yeah. We yeah, run the gamut here. Are you ready for the topic? Let's hit it, brother. All right, here we go. What's going on? Corinne's throwing a surprise going away party for Captain. Well, why didn't you tell me about it? The roommate has a right to know. Because she knew you'd tell him and ruin the surprise. <laughs> You just blew the best thing I had going for you. You just blew the element of surprise. Surprise! 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 Surprise. What's going on? We wasted the good surprise on you. All right, Brett, what are we talking about this week, yo? Surprise! (laughs) 
<clears throat> so a while back, the guys at Misdirected Mark had asked something about a bait and switch game. And this is similar to that topic. And Sean and I have talked about this, I think, on the air, and I know off the air. But anyway, we're going to bring it up here. Um, <clears throat> it's this concept where, like, look, I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm doing. There's going to be no, hey, I'm going to run a game, and you're going to fight Cthulhu. I'm going to run a game, and you're all going to be spies. You're going to be vampire hunters. I'm not going to tell you Jack. You're going to make a character. I'm going to give you some vagaries of something you're going to do, and then, bam, you're going to be thrust into a world of something. Um, and this is one of those things I've done, I have done this before in some regards over the years and oftentimes kind of in the vein of a bait and switch. Uh, and I can talk about that in a minute, but, it, um, one of the things that Sean was saying was that kind of, uh, to really get people to think in character and not metagame, that type of thing, is it worth it or does it make any sense? And can you pull it off? Say, Hey, come and make a character and then stuff's going to happen to you and just, just roll with it. Trust me as the game master. I, I got this. I got this. We're just going to do something kind of crazy here. So Sean, if I said, Hey, you're going to play modern day game. You're going to make up a character. I'll give you the rule set, make a character who's somebody normal and um, something's going to happen. It'll be pretty cool. Might be kind of hoary, might not, whatever. Just make a guy and uh, we'll see what goes from there. Hor Would you do that? It's going to be hoary. No, not hoary. Horror-y. <laughs> Horror-y. Horror -y. Or, you know, it, it might be whatever. Are you, would you be down for that if I, if we were going to do that? I guess, man. Yeah, I would be down with it, dude. Totally. I would be down with it. And it, yeah. I don't know, man. But it, it, are we talking like one game spiel? We're not talking no, like. Storyline. Oh, long campaign. Yeah, totally. I'm going to play. Something. I don't, know, don't worry. Like a re recruiter or something. Sure. I could totally work with that. Don't worry. Make your guy. Just make my guy. Make your guy. Well, you just show up. Well, Brett, what system is it going to be in? Ah, first question, right? <clears throat> when I've done this before, what I've usually done is one of my favorites that uses the uh, World of Darkness system by White Wolf or whomever in the hell happens to own them now um, as a generic component to it. I've even used uh, GURPS and uh, basic role-playing or games of that that type that have kind of a generic, you're a thing, you could just be a person, and then something can happen to you. Um, e even with, uh, I've said, hey, you know, use a Call of Cthulhu character sheet, just ignore the Cthulhu component of it, we'll just use the rule system, i.e. basic role-playing. Uh, most often, though, I did it with uh, with uh, World of Darkness, either first or uh, first A stuff or or even the newer World of Darkness, which I've used currently. And my buddy Lenny did this too, a couple different times to, uh, to some friends and I. <clears throat> he ran a superheroes game uh, he called Tarnished. We really had no solid clue what we were going to get into, but we all made characters. We knew something was going to happen, and womp, at one point during the story, everyone ended up with superpowers. It was really cool. And uh, it in the cur currently... Um, were the, the teenagers I've talked about before on the show. Our character was all teenagers. We had no idea what the hell was going to happen. It turned into some kind of wonky Buffy the Vampire Slayer zombie craziness, and uh, we're just kind of along for the ride, figuring out what's going on and trying to survive and all that stuff. So I would use a generic type of system like that as opposed to saying, make a D&D &D guy, 
and uh, I'll throw something at you. Although you you could do that. What do you think, Sean? No, I'm with you, man. Generic. It's got to be basic role playing GURPS. <clears throat> what other ones? Basic role playing GURPS. Uh, the hero system. Hero. Hero could do it. What are we missing? Um, I, I think even, although honestly, I, th- I think if you took a game like um, like a D and D, and you said, "Look, we're going to play a D and D game," and I could turn it into a D and D horror game, I could turn it into a uh, a D twenty. I mean, D twenty uh, modern. That if you were to grab a D twenty modern game, kind of maybe. I don't know. I've never sure. I never played with it. Yeah, D twenty modern would work. I haven't played D twenty modern, but the the archetypes in there are kind of kind of goofy. Okay. No, but I mean, there it would work. So do you, um, so apart from you just being uh, polite and saying that you would want to do that, (laughs) is there any part of you as a player, even a game master that says, yeah, that just doesn't even sound like a good idea, man. No, I, I think it's a great idea, man. There's not even a part of me. There's not even a smidgen. You don't even want to argue just for the sake of arguing. That's wow. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I'm totally in compliance. I think it's okay. I think it's uh, I a so yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say, man. I think it's a so, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I th- I think this is different than a bait and switch, and here's why: a bait and switch game is what I did to my players at one point, where they all made um mortals in a. I made a delta. It started out delta green. It was a Call of Cthulhu modern day um, delta green society thing. And then one session I murdered everyone's characters and they were, we went from Delta green to Wraith, uh, white wolf's Wraith system. Everyone was dead and they were spirits in the spirit world had to figure out what the fuck was going on. Now that is one of those things where you say, Hey, we're going to play this game and then ha ha. No, it's actually this other game. I ha. pull the dust cover off. Ha ha. <clears throat> and I think that can have a different, it has a different going in, right? As a player, you'd be like, dude, I thought I really was getting into Delta Green or D&D, and now it's not D&D. It's actually a Delta Green game, or it's not D&D. It's really a superheroes game. How, what? I'm really, <clears throat> it, it, that could leave a bad taste in, in players or even Game Master's mouths if it doesn't go well. But I think going in saying, look, we're going to do something. I have an idea. It should run X amount of sessions or whatever the case is. And starting off like that, I think your reaction is probably I'm going to get a better reaction from my players saying, sure, I'm, I'm willing to try something, I'm willing to experiment with you, Brett, and let you have a run at this crazy thing you want to try. What system are we using? Oh, we're using World of Darkness. Oh, we're playing GURPS or Savage Worlds, for God's sakes. <clears throat> you can make a normal dude in Savage Worlds. Say, okay, great. We'll play some pulpy something will happen. Oh, Savage Worlds is a general one, yeah. Even Fate, even Fate. Oh, Fate adds, too, yeah. Yeah. We could totally pull that off too. Uh, so um, I don't think I don't think it's cool to change the system. No, that, I would have I would have probably had to kill you. <laughs> I was very fortunate. My group liked both systems, so that wasn't like a huge deal. We went from one to the other, and everyone, oh, that that's fine. That's that's okay. No one really minded. But but I your don't think that your would work. group is well. I've been game with these guys at the time for a very very long Jesus time. Jesus Christ! So. But this gets to a this gets to a, a point though that you as the game master and players, there has to be a fair amount of trust at the table, right? If you tell me you're going to do it, I trust you, Sean. Sure, let's try it. Let's let's see where it goes. If you've not 
played with your group for a while, or you don't know each other very well, or these are just some folks that you've you've met before, <laughs> you, you've you've met online, you you could get like, oh, show, it turned into a superheroes game. Show I up like at, supers. Show up and play at the local game store. Sean's running D and D. Oh, now you're all in space. Oh, hey, I don't want to play space. Now it's going to be space, and you're going to be astronauts, but you're going to go around with swords in your hands. <clears throat> or you do some weird transhuman-y, shadow-runny thing, you know, where you're all in a matrix or whatever. That's not too far from the thing. It's not too far from the base, though. That not is, too far. No. But I, I think, so, in my opinion, you need to have a fair amount of trust if you're going to pull a surprise on the group. Trust if me. you want to start off with a premise of surprise, go look. If you get, Trust me on this one, guys. I got a really good idea. I know what you all like. We played for a while. You've talked about the different types of characters you like. That sounds good. Make some people. Here's a setting. You'll start out there, and we'll roll with it. And I think that, for me, I've always had the best luck doing it in uh, starting in modern setting. Um, doing It's almost kind of... Sometimes now it kind of makes me think of like the Harry Potter thing, right? Where you're just a normal person and then something weird happens to you. Next thing you know, you thrust into a world of whatever occurs. And that's kind of the point of <sighs> games like Changeling or Vampire and some of the World of Darkness things is you started off in the very, as a person, a regular Joe. And then next thing you know, something's happened to you and you're thrust in this crazy world. Even, you know, a Peter Parker bit by a radioactive spider or whatever, uh, whichever variation of that Um of that generation theme is out there. He started off as a normal person and then something happened. And now he's thrust into this world of crazy superhero dudes and ladies. So he's got something to deal with there. So, Hmm. Yeah. Is there, do you, so go, 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 go. No, go ahead, man. What's the question? I was going to ask you, do you see what, what's the first thing you think of as a downside? What, what's the first thing that you think we should be worried about? Wow. People that start a game are going to have some questions. So you're going to have to answer those questions. And then when you just say, hey, just like every woman you've been with, Brett, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) That that won't go well at all. I have a horrible track record. There you go. Exactly. It's not going to go over that well. It took me two marriages to get that right. I can't (laughs) can't do this forever. Oh, my God. So you got to, that's the big thing, right? And I I have to. I have to kind of, so we didn't really get into why I brought this up and why Brett brought it up as a topic is because I was thinking of a cool game like, uh, well, not a cool game, but some examples of like TV shows that are really cool to watch, but they're not superheroes. They're not medieval knights. They're not, you know, even if the ones are superheroes, maybe there's an element of not discovering that you're a superhero right away. You're just kind of some schmo, you know, and part of that is how do you do that in a game? So for example, I was thinking of lost, which is a a pretty good show all the way up until like the last episode of the entire series. But you know, it's for those that aren't familiar with lost, it's people crash on a plane in the middle on some deserted Island. And then wackiness ensues the entire season. But you play a normal person, and one of the folks online, I don't remember who it was, it might have been Carl Busler, I don't remember, but he was going to run a Lost Fate game. Now, the only problem with that is when you premise it as Lost, you kind of have these things that go through your head. But if you just kind of said, hey, I'm going to run a modern game, 
It's going to be fun. You just got to trust me. And you're going to throw in some wackiness. How do you do that without the players getting really suspicious or losing the premise, etc.? And that's kind of the deal. Because I think you can do it without saying, hey, I want to... I want to play D&D and we're going to do D&D stuff. Or, hey, we're going to play Call of Cthulhu and there's going to be Call of Cthulhu stuff in it. Like, just you make up your Joe Schmo and your stuff's going to... It doesn't even have to be wacky. It could just be strangeness that occurs that ends up being like a really cool role-playing game and campaign and story. That's what my buddies Lenny is doing right now with the teenage game that I mentioned. There are There's a thing that we think might be a vampire but we're guessing it just it acts kind of like um kind of a slender man kind of appearance but yet vampiric approach we think there are big lizard men somewhere living in the swamp we we think there might be werewolves in or we're not sure what exactly we're seeing and running into are you guys playing twilight no <laughs> no we're not I'll, I'll tell us when, it's, when it's, I, it's wonky as shit. When I meet Le, well, when I meet Lenny at Game Hole, I go, Lenny, you. man, I, I'm glad I have you know. It's so good to to meet you finally. You know, Brett talks so much about you. How's the Twilight game coming along? And he'll throat punch you, and then I'll, <laughs> and I'll be like, I told you, I fucking told you, first, dude. First impressions, man. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, though, um, well, if he listens to so, the show, he doesn't anymore. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Oh, my best friends ever just gone because of Sean. One, well, I lost another one. Great. Thanks, Sean. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> no, point is, is that I think to get rid of, to start off a game and say, look, I'm not going to tell you the premise. I'm not going to tell you a lot of stuff. Trust me. I know what you guys like. Um, I know what Tabby wants to play. I know what Mike wants to play. You know, Susan's into this and, and John and Chris like this type of game. Trust me, we're going to do this thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Just let me go with this. Um, what I've always done when I have done this and, um, as I've taken it to the group saying, look, I want to try a thing. You're going to make some people give you some vague parameters to make your people in usually a modern type setting. And then what we're going to do is after a little bit, I'm going to ask you how it's going. And if you don't like it, if it's not working, we'll scrap it and we'll go on to something else. So that's kind of the, the red button, if you will, on the table for everybody in the group at some point. I take a break after the session, a couple sessions in, once they're starting to get a feel of it, um, once I'm really rolling well with it, I look at them and say, do you guys like it? How's this going? I'll either ask them as a group or sometimes as a group and then individually or just individually to see who's into it and what's not working or what people like, you know what, <clears throat> it's kind of fun, but I can't piece together anything. It just seems like a bunch of disjointed crap. Um, then, oh, well, okay. Then I either figure out, okay, give me one session. I can retune it. I can refocus it or whatever, but I kind of have, I give that to the group as an out. So that way we as a team look at it and say, well, that was, it sounded like fun, but I'll tell you what, man, it's just not, it's not, we're not working for me. Let's, let's bail and then do something different. Brett, you are such a merciful DGM. You're so nice. Aren't I? Yeah. You're so counter to what those guys over at misdirected Mark paint you to be. I mean, it's really crazy. <laughs> now, my take would be, look, you guys, you're not giving me anything here. You guys kind of really got to get into it a little bit more. I mean, I'm really over here trying to bust my chops, running a game for you guys, and all I'm getting is, you know, this isn't really working. I mean, come on. 
get off your ass and do something. Fucking players. Come on. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be that harsh, but No, not not directly. Yeah. So if you're in my Savage Worlds game and game hole. <laughs> you better bring it because Sean would kill you. Because I got like a couple sentences for this adventure and the rest is up to the players. Sean's got a squirt gun full of cat pee for those people who don't toe the line. And I got plenty of cat pee, let me tell you. <laughs> so I think the um <clears throat> the the potential downsides are if you don't have the trust, if you can't maintain the trust and it doesn't get interesting. It's okay for a while to be kind of sketchy and weird. Even if you look at something like an X-Files where you're like, okay, this is going to be weird. It's billed as something weird. <sighs> but if you don't deliver at some point, even lost, it starts out kind of, it starts out weird, but then things start to happen and there's action and there's character development and stuff going on. If you drag it along and say, so what do you guys do? Well, um, I go to school, I go to work, I do this. Does anything happen? Nope, nothing happens. Okay, um, you, you have to be prepared to bring the action to the players. <clears throat> it's kind of in those TV shows and the books you read. Um, at some point, shit happens to Harry Potter, and next thing you know, he's in wizard school. Um, when I used to do it, and people would start off a certain thing, and wham, you get freaking bit, and you're a vampire. Oh, my God, we're playing vampire. Yes, we're freaking playing vampire. Okay, God, well, shit, I'm playing vampire now. You can only go on for so long, and the length of so long going to depend on, on what you're trying to do. But stuff has to start to happen that grabs the players and grabs the characters and really makes them want to learn more. The other thing I've found is that if you let people make characters, and we've talked about this in character gen, that don't do something like having bonds with each other or um, having a nature. Uh, Gumshoe does this where you have basically a driving force. I can't think of the damn Gumshoe term. But you've got a reason to want to learn. You have a reason behind your character that you have to dig into the weird thing. When your guys are walking on the street, you just got out of the bar after happy hour from work, Sean and Brett's characters are staggering down the road, having a good time. And you see a bum walk up, offer you, um, you know, he's trying, trying to get some change. Sean throws some change at him and the guy's body disintegrates into cockroaches. What the fuck? Okay. If you don't have a, um, a character that is interested in figuring out what that is, or something and just all he does is run away and wants nothing to do with anything well then you're turtling and you need to make characters that don't turtle and you as a game master need to do things to encourage players to make characters that don't turtle by nature so that way when they get into these situations you're doing something whether you need to trust you you look at them and say you remember the thing that your character is really into whatever it is boom you should be you should be digging into this further so <clears throat> the downside is if you um, yes, <laughs> as, as the RV says that, yeah, maybe don't use cockroaches. <laughs> that could be a little on the creepy side. Um, but <laughs> anyhow, the point is, is that when you have things happen, you as a player, you need to jump in and go. We've talked about this before as uh, player characters, uh, or excuse me, players of characters you need to go in and grab onto it, sink your teeth in and roll with what's going on. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, man, it's all on the players. Okay. Maybe not all on the players. I'm glad I had my mic muted there. I almost <laughs> totally spit all over my mouth. like shorted that sucker out by spitting all <laughs> okay. over it. It's a, it's a hard one to pull off, and I don't know yeah. if anybody's tried to pull it off um, successfully. You have? Yeah, yeah I've done you, this. But, so not the scenario you talked about, though. Not with cockroaches, no. Um, no, you said character- when you started out with 
with the one system, what was it? And then you, oh, you went from. Oh, that was a bait and switch. I did a bait and switch. I went from uh, Delta to Green to um, yeah to Wraith. That's, I have started so though with <clears throat> where you've used um where I've used the World of Darkness system, make a person, yeah, and then they run into stuff. Whether yeah. the stuff is a Cthulhu like thing, or the stuff is they turned into vampires, or they ended up hunting monsters, and that's what they ended up doing. I don't think that's um, big. That's not that far a leap though, is it? No, not necessarily. It depends on what you're expecting. If you're walking in, and this is the this is, I guess, what you were trying to get get to, Sean, was to take the expectations and move it, right? Sure. Um. So instead of coming and say, "Oh, I'm playing Fate, but it's Lost." Okay, I have all the Lost expectations and baggage and all that shit that comes with me. <clears throat> so now I'm saying, "No, all your expectations are out. Other than I'm here to have fun. I'm going to play my character. Come with that expectation, and you're going to react to the world." As things happen, um, as uh, one of our as the RV over in the uh, over in the message board says, you know, as long as the internal logic for the world is consistent, which absolutely makes sense, people dig into it and want to figure out. Even if you're like, okay, guy turns into cockroaches or butterflies, um, whatever happens, okay, that's weird. It breaks laws of physics and whatnot, seems magical or mystical, and then there's more to add to it. So it's something you dig into and you find out more and more about it. Um, so I, I've done it, as I said, but I think, um, hmm, da, 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 boy, I'm just talking myself in a big circle here as I'm usually want to do. But anyway, as long as you've got, as long as the players are in there to do that. And the reason, like, again, anyway, reason to do it is you want to expunge all the expectations. I don't want to get anybody go, Oh, I'm playing Mad Max. Oh, it's gotta be a Mad Maxy thing. You can turn a game into a wonky version of Mad Max without having to tell people it's going to be Mad Max. This is the type of environment we're going for. So, Sean, by your lack of confrontation with me, I'm assuming you haven't done this before. I haven't done it before. I haven't, I, you know, it's something that I've kind of molded uh, with, but I haven't, I haven't made the leap. One thing is that, yeah, I mean, that's that type of game that you want to run is tricky for obvious reasons that we've spoken about. But not only that, but you kind of, as a game master, if it's a game that involves a game master, which most of the ones that we are talking about are game mastering, you know, have a role of a game master, you got to come up with the scenarios that may, okay, you know, what happens when you want to run a game that's like that, and then it slides into something that already exists. So I think it's kind of what is out there, what's not out there, how do you come up with plot points on a session per session basis that not only gets the players to say, this is kind of cool uh, or a different approach. I will trust you. But at the same time, it has to be, there's got to be a level of excitement, intrigue. Um, you, need to, you need to reveal. At some point, sure. the group, in my opinion, the group needs to say, this is a vampire hunting game. This is a sorcerer's apprentice game. This is a, we all turned into werewolves game. This is a, wow, I happen to be the person in the wrong place at the wrong time, and now I'm fucking hired by the CIA to courier stuff from here to Pakistan. Holy crap, how did that happen? So I think at some point, the purpose of the game or the overarching theme or whatever else you want to say has to come out in some form. Yeah. Where the group, where the group says, ah, Sean, yeah, I should have known it. He likes spy games. God damn it, I just got recruited. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm now I'm working for this. Now I'm working for the spooks. Now I'm working for 
the NKVD. Oh, great. Right. That, I think I think that type of game would be awesome. That would be awesome. So, Brett, run one, damn it. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, whatever. Oh. No, that's good. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That's good. Well, I can't run one for you now because you'll expect it. That's right. something even crazier. Oh, I know what's going to happen now. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, <sighs> we knocked this topic off. I think we did. I mean, I, I like it. I'm actually, I'm very curious to see if other people have done it where you've started off with, look, I'm not going to tell you what's out there and whatnot. Now to me, these games work this type of storyline. You're more traditional game master and players perspective. One behind the screen folks in front of the screen is going to work. I've, I've not played a lot of the, um, as Sean likes to call them the hippie dippy games <laughs> where there's, you know, where the game master player roles are more and more blurred or even perhaps non-existent. Um, but basically, you know, instead of saying, hey, we're playing Night Witches, or hey, we're doing this game, or hey, I'm going to play Cat by John Wick or something, you know, changing the mode and not revealing the theme, the type of game, or anything like that, starting off kind of generic and vague and working your way in. One thing I've always wanted to do is have people come in with a, a bullet point list of a character. Is he strong? Is she smart? Does she like computers? Is he a dancer? Does he do this? Is he an ex-football star? Did she play? Did she run track or did she play varsity? Whatever. And just from that piece of it, start a game and then hand out the character sheets once you've gotten to a certain point. Like, hey, holy shit, it's a vampire game. Or wow, now we're it's a Savage Worlds game. Okay, great. And it's Rippers or whatever. I think that I think that would be kind of cool. I've just not pulled, I haven't gone to that point where people come up with just concepts and of characters without any system behind it. I've always given people a game system to start with. Right. Well, and that's the thing too, right? So like if you took the show Heroes from from NBC, all those folks started out as kind of like, they didn't know what was happening to them. And then it grew into these powers and then they became quote unquote superheroes. But it starts yep. out as kind of like, hey, you're just, all of a sudden you realize you can fly or whatever that is, or you, you can't die or whatever injury you have heals miraculously. Yep. Now the thing is with a game like heroes is a lot of a, like they're very single vignettes. They talk about the, you know, it's centered on one character and it kind of does its thing and then goes back to another character and then they do their thing and have interactions with NPCs. And then, Eventually, they overlap and start getting into each other's lives and crossovers, which it can be tricky because it takes a little bit longer. Lost has got some back backstory like that too, but they're still on the island, kind of dinking around with whatever's going on. So I think, See, I think you you'd have to do a lot of cutscenes if you want to do it like that. But right. at some point, you need to get from the random, not random, but the multiple cutscenes, and then push people together. They need to have a reason to be together, even if it's artificial, like, hey, every other part of the island is on fire except for this part, or this has all happened except for this is the safe zone, or you all have to go get dinner and you all end up at the only place that's open on this end of town. Um, so <clears throat> I think there's ways to to speed that piece of it up, which is where I get to the timeline of uh, the reveal. At some point, whether, and you, I think in my experience, I've been able to read the group to be able to say, wow, 
they've had it with the vagary, the reveal has to come. They have to at least get um, <clears throat> the first big clue as to what the fuck is supposed to really be going on here. So, bam. Okay. Okay. It's vampires. Oh, holy shit. We're spies um, or something along that line. So even if it's not the full reveal, a piece of it comes out and then a slice of it hits the next session or two. And then they can start to put it all together and say, well, here's how it goes. Yeah. All right. I got a feeling that if we talk more on this topic, we're going to go round and round in circles. I don't know about that. Let's just start from the beginning and see where we, <laughs> we should, we should stop and pause the pause this and then go back to the beginning and re-record what we just said <laughs> and go, wow, I touched everything again. <laughs> anyway, if for those of you who are listening, if you would, um, our Google plus page, Facebook, email, gamingbs.com. I'd love to hear if other people have pulled this off or um, if you've done it, you liked it, you've done it, you've hated it, you've not done it, but you think it sounds cool. Um, the other thing is that there are game systems out there that Sean and I have never played that we've not touched on. I mean, we already admitted earlier on, we've, we haven't played a lot of Fade, if any. Um, some, of these get, uh, some of these systems may be just flat awesome for the topic we're talking about here. So if you've got advice or thoughts, hit us with it. That would be great. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's hear what other people have to say about this. Let's do it. Let's see if they've ever had that in play. All right, let's Should get in. Move. Die like, roll? Yeah, let's get into die roll. All right, die roll. <clears throat> Part of the show where we have one to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention on the interwebs. I have four. Brett has four. We have brought it this week. Absolutely. Got some good stuff. I put this out on Google+. Plus. I I should have. I didn't see it soon enough to get on last episode, so I want to throw it out here. Historical European Martial Arts, HEMA, is a documentary. Um, Kotaku.com. The link is out there. You'll see it in the show notes. Sean will post it up here in the blab for our folks. It's a really cool um, documentary about HEMA, how they do what they do, European fighting, and so forth. Swords, armor, knives, wrestling, all that stuff. It's really, really cool. I wish to God there was a HEMA group somewhere in the Madison, Wisconsin area, because I would totally dig on getting in on that. That's me. If you look at the video really close, you can make out my my plum-looking shirt. Yes. me. I'm fighting swords, medieval style. When you meet Sean, you can tell. You can tell he's got that kind of build to him. (laughs) <laughs> anyhow um second one this is just a little thank you chad knight one of our listeners uh friend of the show uh buddy of mine one of my gamers hooked me up with another guy i happen to know from my hometown brian Teeman. he has a his one ring rpg collection um, i've mentioned here that i want to get a copy of it i've been looking into it and brian's like an offload his so chad sends me a text not that long ago before we started recording and said hey Brian wants to get rid of his stuff. What do you think about this? I'm like, well, done. Bring it to Game Hole. I'll buy it. So Chad's already taken money from me. I haven't even got to Game Hole yet. I've spent money. So anyhow. So you're buying the One Ring? Yeah. I thought you had it. I don't have the One Ring. I've got the uh, I've got Merp. I don't have the One Ring uh, RPG. I don't have that yet. So, so another game you may never play. Yeah. I don't understand the problem with that. Okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, um, another one, books, books bound in human skin. Speaking of books. Oh. I've got oh. a link out there to uh, the macabre practice of binding books in human skin. Neat little uh, article about the, uh, around the number of different books and so forth that have been bound in human skin throughout the years. And a call back, if you will, to the Halloween episode from last week. 
And in with that, Mr. Chris Sneezak from Misdirected Mark um, performed. Uh, he read the Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft. An audio drama. An audio drama. He put it out there for Misdirected Mark listeners. And as those are our brothers from other podcast mothers, I figured I'd throw the boys a little love and uh, put the link out there. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet myself. It's on my docket for this week. So, so. I started listening to it. Chris, uh, I'm waiting for all the sound effects to, to be put into place and the back. So good first step. Good you first step. Not enough Foley? Is I, that what you're saying? I gotta, he's got to put in some more like the whistling of the wind and all those effects, right, to make it the – never mind. You don't have to do that, Chris. I'm being facetious. <laughs> nice. Good job. Good job. <laughs> can't be easy it's not easy sitting there reading like i i could never do it i don't know i I listen to audiobooks it's uh some of them some people do it really really well i i don't know it's cool cool stuff man yeah so that's mine and sean you're up you got four rolling brother yeah i do have four brett uh paradox interactive buys white wolf from ccp (laughs) haha brett didn't get that one i scooped it Uh. out Actually, yeah, he totally grabbed that I before think me. Joe, I think Joe Swick actually posted it, didn't he? Yeah, Joe told us about yeah. it. I'm like, oh, I should put that in die roll. And then, Sean, you dirty bugger. Yeah, so, yeah, Paradox Interactive, whoever they are, they do. I went to their website, a uh, lot of mobile video games, I believe. I believe so. Which is strange, whatever, I think. Well, they were owned by the guys who did EVE Online for a while. Really? Yeah, Eve Online, the guys, uh, I think, a company out of Finland, I think, where they were, or Iceland, or wherever the fuck those guys are from. They owned White Wolf for the longest time. I Not have for to admit, time, for a while. the video game industry is something I am completely out of touch with when it comes to who owns what, who's who, and who's bought who. I mean, even, Mostly because I don't care. That's why I don't know. I used to know when it was like everything was Raven, Software, I mean, the big title, Ubisoft. I mean, they're all out there still, but... Now we got like Paradox Interactive. I don't know who those guys are. And now they, they own White Wolf. White Wolf's been uh, looking for a decent home for a while. So maybe yeah. they'll R- do something decent. RV in the chat room says Paradox does good games. I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll take his word for it. But as Swick was saying, I think they might be buying it for the MMO. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's something to the IP, man. I guess it's worth something. Absolutely. All right. Number two, Kickstarter canceled. Wah, wah. Dungeon World Monster Card Kickstarter has been canceled. That is one of the Kickstarters I mentioned on the show that I backed. I think it was last episode, actually, and it's already That's done. That's right. So they they, had, they ran into some issues with that, and uh, they decided to um, not move forward. They I think they're, re- go, they're going to readdress it, but I think it had something to do with, like, supply from where they were going to go in China or something along those lines. I would much rather see them say, problem. We can't go through with this. We're going to nix it. Thank you for the support. We know a better way to come back. I'd rather see that than another Far West come along where they don't get anything freaking done. And when they do that type of thing where it it goes out, it goes live, and nothing ever fucking shows, no matter how good that game is, no matter how good that product is, it is a failure because it never delivered. So these guys, I give them complete, uh, huge cred um, for stepping up and saying, nope, we got to stop. We're going to come back. Thank you so much. We'll be back. I yeah. mean, I, that's just a better way to go. Yeah, I agree. And I, guess what? I'm not on any money. I, nothing's changed. Absolutely. So good with that. Number three, Nerf's Rivals Zeus MXV 1200 Blaster. Now, 
I have to give props to Chris Groff, who posted this on Google+. Chris is a Canadian gentleman who has actually been on Accidental at the Accidental Survivors um, podcast. Okay. But anyways, he posted this on Google+. It's like a Nerf ball launcher. And he says, oh, he says, I'm looking at it. Jesus he, Christ. He says in the, in his post that it, it shoots a ball a hundred feet per second. That's like a paintball gun. It's battery operated, semi-automatic. So check, <laughs> be, check it out, my crap. man. Check it that out. That would be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, he, there's at the video, so it's an unboxing and then they, they put it together and he shoots the balls and. <clears throat> It's pretty decent. I guess this guy who does those videos is a big Nerf, Nerf guy. Yeah. As a father with a bunch of uh, small kids, mass, I have a lot of Nerf guns, and uh, you can't vacuum without running into some Nerf bullets at some point around here. So Nerf guns are rule. Thing is, it's gonna be just as much a money suck as RPGs, probably. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Holy shit, all the Nerf. Yeah, stuff. if you if you tallied up all the Nerf guns in my house, I could probably trade them in for some nice RPG books. He went into talking about like the Nerf, like versus a Nerf dart gun. Is it Nerf darts? Because the darts aren't as aerodynamic as the balls, because the balls in Correct. this gun are dimpled. Oh yeah. So, anyways, I thought it was a cool video. Anyways. Number four on my end, Roll20. If you're not familiar with Roll20.net, it's the online virtual tabletop. They must be doing fairly well. They're hiring. And I felt compelled because, one, it's gaming, and two, well, I'm a recruiter. So I figured I'd put it out there. It's part of your DNA, man. You can't not recruit. I got to help people. I know what it's like to try to find good people. So Got to help people find work. Yeah. And I think they're looking for a programmer and I think like a community manager or something along those lines. They're both remote, remote, they're both remote and I, but I think they're both contract positions, which is kind of good or bad. If you got a freelancer that does picks us up all the time, then it's great. But if you're not interested in just that limited term employment stuff, anyways, roll 20. I mean, that'd be fun to work for those guys. A lot more fun than our job. Indeed. <laughs> Anyways, so that's uh, Die Roll. Now for our sponsor, um, this show been brought to you by uh, Michael Aldhauser and Grayed Out Productions. So if you play tabletop role-playing games, and you haven't listened to the show before, or if you have, you know of Michael's dice bags. They're custom-made, custom-printed, or you can get ones in his shop that are already printed up. Go out there, use gaming and BS. Brett's holding one up in the video. Put it, go to grade out, G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. Use the promo code gaming and BS and receive 10% off your order. By all means, do that. I just, I just lost Brett. Hopefully he'll come back on. Anyways, head on over there. Wrapping up the show. It's brought to you by Utter BSers, Joe Swick, Kev Thulu, and Jeff Rademacher. Otherwise, I'd hit the closing credits, but I don't know where Brett's at. Brett, where are you, man? Are you coming? <laughs> I'm going to see. Hold on a second. Let me pause this quick. All right. We got Brett back after dropping off the interwebs. I okay. think I think I have these 
large Polish fingers. I just can't use my keyboard anymore. Anyway. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right. So we'll wrap up. So if you like what you hear, let somebody know um, and have them subscribe to the podcast. If you don't, if you just listen to this one episode, go and subscribe. You can find links on our website at gamingnbs.com. There's plenty of different ways to tune in to us, whether it be here, Blab, Twitter, Facebook, Google Pluses, Periscope. Otherwise, write in at uh, gamingnbs at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.